Welcome to Sanford University's Campus Worship. We hope you enjoy the presentation. Our scripture passage this morning is found in Proverbs 31, beginning with verse 10. Proverbs 31 says this, a wife of noble character who can find. She is worth far more than rubies. Her husband has full confidence in her and lacks nothing of value. She brings him good and not harm all the days of her life. She selects wool and flax and works with eager hands. She is like the merchant ships bringing her food from afar. She gets up while it is still dark. She provides food for her family and portions for her servant girls. She considers a field and buys it. Out of her earnings, she plants a vineyard. She sets about her work vigorously. Her arms are strong for the task. She sees that her trading is profitable and her lamp does not go out at night. In her hand, she holds the distaff and grasps the spindle with her fingers. She opens her arms to the poor and extends her hands to the needy. When it snows, she has no fear for her household, for all of them are clothed in scarlet. She makes covering for her bed. She is clothed in fine linen and purple. Her husband is respected at the city gate, where he takes his seat among the elders of the land. She makes linen garments and sells them and supplies the merchants with sashes. She is clothed with strength and dignity. She can laugh at the days to come. She speaks with wisdom and faithful instruction is on her tongue. She watches over the affairs of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. Her children arise and call her blessed. Her husband also, and he praises her. Many women do noble things, but you surpass them all. Charm is deceptive and beauty is fleeting, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Give her the reward she has earned and let her works bring her praise at the city gate. And this is how the book of Proverbs ends. We've come to our end of this study this semester because we do not have campus worship Thursday or next week because of Thanksgiving. And when we come back from Thanksgiving, we start the Christmas season. So we're ending our study of Proverbs this morning with this chapter, with these verses about the wife of noble character. I will admit to you that originally I'd asked a woman to speak on this passage and she had to back out. And so I am taking her place but before you accuse me of misogyny or sexism, let me calm your nerves and begin by telling you that I think that one of the things that we have to say about this passage from the very beginning is that it is not a checklist. I have to say I grew up you know, being told this is the kind of person you should find to marry and, you know, we, we would date and we would sort of go down the list. Well, does she do this and does she do that and is she this and is she that? I've known women who've said, I need to be this kind of a person. 
so that I meet someone and I can live up to this kind of Proverbs 31 standard. And I don't think that's the right way to read this passage. I think that something else is going on here in this passage. I mean, for one thing, if you were to read this passage in Hebrew, you would be able to notice that this passage is an acrostic. An acrostic means that each line of the poem, so to speak, begins with a subsequent letter of the Hebrew alphabet. And acrostics are often used in the Old Testament to demonstrate, to illustrate completeness. So there's this notion of perfection or completeness that tells us something about wisdom because the book of Proverbs is about wisdom. Wisdom with our decisions, wisdom with our words, wisdom with how we use power, wisdom in our relationships, wisdom in how we organize our priorities, wisdom in how we relate to God and to each other. This is a passage first and foremost about wisdom more so than women. Now let me read to you, I just made a list of all the things that this person is in Proverbs 31. She is a merchant, a manager, a manufacturer, an upholsterer, a designer, a seamstress, a chef, a caregiver, a realtor, an investor, a farmer, a botanist, a teacher. She is physically fit, gives charitably, works tirelessly, speaks wisely, sleeps rarely, fears God consistently. Her children bless her, her husband honors her, her reputation precedes her, her works praise her. Good grief. Who is this person? Well, this person doesn't exist. Uh, this is not a checklist. This is what we might call a composite sketch. I'll use two examples. Uh, maybe you've seen Michelangelo's sculpture of King David. In that sculpture, Michelangelo is exploring what he considers to be the kind of ideal human form. And of course, the statue of David is this chiseled, literally chiseled man who is approaching what we would consider ideal perfection in the masculine form. And the idea behind Michelangelo's sculpture was probably not for men to walk up to the statue and say, hmm, I need to have abs like that, or my shoulders should look like that, or I should do my hair like that. No, it's exploring beauty in the human form by showing us its ideal. It's not an ideal to which I should strive to attain necessarily. That's not possible for me. It's not possible for the vast majority of men who've ever lived on the planet, right? Michelangelo's David is not a checklist. It's a kind of composite sketch. Uh, another example might be this. If I were to ask you, what are some characteristics of the ideal football player? Well, you, mi you might say uh, size, strength, speed, power. He can run and block and throw and kick, right? All of these things would make an ideal football player. But look at a football team. Does anyone on that team have all of those characteristics? Well, no, that's not the way a team works. That's not the way the human race works. There is no woman who would or could live up to every item on this checklist. So here's the problem with the checklist approach to this text. You'll never find anyone who measures up to this. And if you yourself try to measure up to this, you will find yourself frustrated, depressed, 
you will feel like a failure. It's not even realistic. First of all, this woman in this passage is rich. She also has a lot of leisure time. She has servants. She's incredibly skilled and gifted in all sorts of areas of both business and the arts and fashion. She's industrious. Her children are extraordinary. They have no problems. There are no behavior problems discussed. There are no diapers being changed. There's no arguments with her husband. Like this composite sketch is not really delving into the sort of dirt of everyday life. It's a flyover. This is what noble character looks like in the ideal. The second problem with this kind of checklist is that if you found someone, men, who was like this, women, if you could somehow attain to this, well, guess what? You're going to get old. And when you get old, this will no longer be feasible. This will no longer be possible to wake up early and to do all these kinds of things and conduct this sorts of business and to be that industrious and Look, we're going to get older and tireder and physically more depleted. So does that mean that wisdom diminishes with age? Or that noble character declines as you get older? No. And third, the problem with the checklist approach is that, men, if you found a woman like this, why would she be with you? I mean, you ain't all that, right? And even if you were, somehow could be, you're going to change and get older as she changes and gets older. I'll tell you, so my wife and I have been married for 25 years. And we, Proverbs 31 has occasionally been kind of a running joke, a kind of, I'll sometimes jab her, you know, when she sleeps in and says, you know, a wife of noble character rises before the sun and provides food for her family. And she'll usually roll over and say, get up and fix the kids' breakfast. And we kind of have this sort of back and forth about this. It's not a checklist. It's not an ideal to which you should strive and feel diminished if somehow you don't live up. What it is, is a composite sketch of what noble character looks like. It tells us something about wisdom more than women. So, three things that I think this tells us about wisdom, and then we'll be done, because I don't know about you, but I'm nearly hypothermic in this room. It's cold. So here we go, three main ideas, because preachers use threes. Number one, number one lesson from this passage is that seek to be a person of noble character. More so than the details of this passage, seek to be a person of noble character. A wife of noble character who can find, this passage says. Well, look, in the ancient world, you know, men weren't necessarily going around looking for wives. Marriages were arranged. And the way this worked is generally when you were very young, your parents and their parents said, oh, you have a son. Oh, convenient. We have a daughter. Perfect. Let's, how about they get married? Great. How weird would it be to know as you were growing up who your wife was going to be when you became of age? This is the way things worked in the ancient world. So the writer of Proverbs is not saying to men, hey, go out and find a woman who's like this. He is commending that people become virtuous people, that we become people of noble character. Look, here's the fact. Statistically, the fact is that the vast majority of you in this room 
will graduate from Sanford and go out into the world as single adults. In spite of all the hype on Instagram about the ring by spring, those people are in the minority. Most of you will leave Sanford single, which means that becoming a person of noble character for us at this stage of life is actually a lot more important than finding a person who you think fits you. Being the right person is more important than finding the right person because the truth is that virtue recognizes virtue. Character recognizes character. A person of noble character is prepared, equipped to recognize noble character in another person. Number one, seek to become a person of noble character. Number two, seek character over attraction. Seek character over attraction. Charm is deceptive. Beauty is fleeting. But a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. One fundamental truth of the book of Proverbs is that it reminds us over and over again that things are not always as they seem. That judgments made on the basis of superficial appearance are bound to be unwise. That the knee-jerk reaction, the visceral response is not always the wisest response. How often have you been attracted to someone only to find out that person would be terrible for me and steered clear of someone who might be a great friend, who might be someone great today, just because eh, something's missing. That spark's not there. Like it's not, uh, I don't know, uh, there's something not right, right? And the primary descriptor of love that we find in the Bible in 1 Corinthians 13 is that love is patient. And yet people lacking patience rush into relationships because of that attraction and rush away from potentially good relationships because of the absence of attraction when the way of wisdom is to say, is to remember that charm is deceptive and beauty is fleeting. But a person who fears the Lord is to be praised. So then what is the purpose of attraction? What is the purpose of infatuation or romantic love? Is it something that we should steer clear of? Is it evil? Is it wrong? No, I think it's something that God built into our human physiology. It's not that it lacks value. It's just that it has a temporary purpose. And this is the way I would describe it. If you are trying to burn some wood, like you, you have a bonfire going, all right? You've got some wood, and you're going to try to get that thing started. You can light a match and just sort of try to stick it under a big log, and that might not work very well. But you can take some lighter fluid, and you can squirt lighter fluid all over that wood, and then light a match, and of course, immediately it flames up. Or you can use something even more powerful, and it's Coleman fuel, highly processed petroleum, which is so flammable that when you pour it, a lot of it evaporates even as you pour it. You can pour it all over the wood and feel the wood. The wood doesn't even feel wet, but light a match anywhere near that pile of wood, and it's going up in flames. Now, I would, just say, I would say that romance, attraction, infatuation, 
Those things are like lighter fluid or like Coleman fuel. They are effective to get a fire started. But look, if the wood is wet or the wood is rotten or there's not enough wood of substance there, how long will that fire burn? And the truth is, not very long. And when the fuel, the Coleman fuel or lighter fluid has burned away and you're down to the wood, you need something of substance to keep that fire going. And yet, so many people start the fire with the attraction when there's nothing of substance there to sustain it. And Proverbs is telling us that do not make those judgments on the basis of impatient, superficial judgments. Use wisdom. Charm is deceitful, beauty is fleeting, but a person who fears the Lord is to be praised. So number one is to be a person of noble character. Number two is to seek character over attraction. And number three is to seek the one who embodies wisdom. Proverbs ends the way Proverbs began. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Because as we said from the very beginning, wisdom is the ability to navigate the complexities of life when the rules don't apply. And what that means is that I can't give you a set of rules and say, do this and you will be wise. A set of principles or precepts that you follow and now you're a person of wisdom. That's not the way wisdom works. Wisdom is far more elusive than that. It's far more complex than that. It's far more subtle than that. It's far more challenging than that. Time and time again, the book of Proverbs returns us to this notion that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, which means fundamentally wisdom consists in a relationship, in a relationship with the Lord. For the Old Testament, in a relationship with Yahweh. But in the New Testament, we have repeated references to Christ as the embodiment of wisdom. Luke 2.52, which tells us that Jesus increased in wisdom. In Colossians chapter 1, we're told that in Christ dwells the fullness of wisdom. Therein lies the foundation of wisdom. If you want the complexity, uh, the, the, the ability to navigate the complexities of life when the rules don't apply, if you want to be able to make difficult decisions about your future, if you want to make wise decisions about your relationships and about who you date or who you marry, if you want to make good decisions about your major, uh, if you want to make the right kinds of decisions about your future, the way to do that is wisdom. And wisdom begins with the Lord. And so above all the things that you seek, seek the Lord, seek Christ, seek the one in whom wisdom dwells. Seek to be a person of noble character, seek character over attraction, seek the one who embodies wisdom, and then, and then you will be on the path toward wisdom. Let's pray. God, I pray that each man and woman in this room would be on a path toward developing noble character. May we be people 
of virtue and character as we are transformed by Christ who lives in us. Thank you for those who have taught this semester on Proverbs. Thank you for those who have led us in worship. Thank you for this place and this opportunity to join together as a community and for a few moments to turn our attention toward you, the one who embodies wisdom, the one who gives wisdom. Help us to fear you and seek you above all else. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. You are dismissed. For more information about Samford University, check out samford.edu.